Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn... You know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarczyk. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. All right. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to another live show of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. Welcome and thank you for spending part of your Saturday morning with us. Um, pulling myself away from the Kings Flyers game as we speak. Chris, good day to you, sir. Let's go, Kings. Hey, I know you're rooting for him today, too. And uh, so so far, last I, last I saw before I ran in here to do this was uh, Nothing, nothing. So we'll both keep our eye on that one. But uh, let's get down to business here. We got uh, this is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and you can always find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Blog Talk Radio's archive section, and of course over at thehockeywriters.com, where our guest today is going to be Chad Dominicis. He's the lead Sabres contributor at thehockeywriters.com and also the co host of the Beyond the Blade podcast. So we're going to be talking a little Buffalo Sabres hockey with him later on in the show. As always, we'll head down the Vegas lane. We'll talk with Dana Lane about the last couple games for UNLV Skate Rebels. Uh, two tough losses to a high-ranked team. I want to know how that's going to impact their seeding for the tournament. Also, breaking news out of the Vegas Golden Knights camp, if there is any. And we'll get Dana Lane's Saturday night special if you're heading to a betting window near you. Uh, gives out his free pick for us every week at this time. But first, I want to – Chris is, in addition to this podcast and the NHL on the Ice podcast, he also writes for the Ion Isles fan-sided page. And he had a, a new article just drop. Why don't you go ahead and break that down and tell the people where to find it, Chris? Yeah, a couple of articles dropped from the middle of the week and, and yesterday. Uh, yesterday was the uh, Ryan Strom playing a stay on the island. So everyone take a look at that, uh, uh, about Ryan Strom, the fifth overall pick of the 2011 draft. And a couple of days ago, an article about the Islanders should use Travis Hamannick uh, as a trade uh, as a big trade ship. So uh, uh, check that out as uh, check that out as well. So. Uh, I guess you know the, the first big news is uh, Mr. Hitchcock is uh, let go of his duties in St. Louis, and uh, Mike Yo takes over on a 
on a temporary basis. Yep. Before we before we go into that, though, real quick, if you want to check out Chris's Islanders content, you can always find it at IonIslesFS.com, and he links all of his articles through his Twitter page, at the NL King. So I, I felt remiss about going into what what uh, your current writings are and then not telling everybody where to find it. But, uh, yeah, the, the news, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, yeah, now, we, now we clean that we clean that up. They can uh, they can go look and and Chris uh, Chris had quite the volume of of Islanders readers uh, in the last month, first month of the year. He's off to a really good start with fan sided and and Chris is happy to be with him and I know they're happy to to have him on board after that kind of volume uh, over over ten thousand page views in the month of January alone. So keep keep up the good work from me to you, Chris. Congratulations on on the somewhat new slot over at uh, Ion Isles and seems like it's a better home than maybe some of your past places that have have had your writing on there. Yeah, so it's, it's a great team over there for sure. Fantastic, fantastic. So yeah, let's get into it. Uh, Coach Hitchcock had had uh, before the season started in a very odd situation to me. Had had uh, he he said it was going to be his last year, but uh, the team brings in Mike Yo off the chopping block from Minnesota, dubs him as the uh, heir apparent to Coach Hitchcock in St. Louis. So uh, it's got to be an awkward situation, um, knowing. That that heir apparent is is present behind you and next to you. I don't know the dynamics of the of the relationship or the situation, but from afar, it looked it it just didn't look like it would be a good situation. Knowing that if excuse me, if you struggled at any point during the season, was management just going to get you out from behind the bench and let Mike Mike Yo start his uh, reign, if you will, in St. Louis? And apparently, after I, th- I believe losing six of seven or seven of eight, that's exactly what happened in St. Louis this week. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the Blues have been, let's face it, they've been uh, as much as, you know, in past years, uh, they've underperformed in the playoffs. They've been uh, one of the top teams in the regular season. Of course, last year they were, uh, you know, one game away, uh, I believe, or one or two games away from the Stanley Cup Finals. But um, this season has been, you know, a big disappointment. I mean, granted, they, you know, they lost some key players. They lost Troy Brower. Uh, they lost David Packis. Uh, you know, did sign David Perron, um, but they took a hit up up front on the boards. Uh, they took a little bit of it. They took a hit in terms of the depth that they had in goaltending, uh, trading Brian Elliott. But you know, if the season were to end today, which of course it doesn't, I believe. They would, with I don't know if they'd be in the playoffs. I think it would come down to ROW, which is really hard to believe uh, uh, when you think of this Blues team from past seasons. So uh, they're 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 scratching, clawing just to make the postseason. And you know, before the season started, you know, many people had them as a uh, Stanley Cup. Well, player. as of right now, uh, not counting games in hands or anything like that. They're one point out of the wild card slot. And all, all those things you mentioned about what the Blues were going to do going into the season is, I mean, you could almost go back and listen to our division preview page and and 
you know, listen to that episode and you could maybe see the writing on the wall that this was coming. We both called for them to struggle coming out. You don't just lose your captain, David Perron is in and other pieces and come out of the gate looking to go back to the Western Conference final as where they were last season. I mean, you know, you're going to be taking a step back. And then, you know, they've been trying to give Jake Allen the reins in in St. Louis forever. And he's been unable really to seize that number one spot, whether it's based on he, he getting the chance and then being injured or Brian Elliott just refusing to let go of, of his number one slot in St. Louis. So finally, with the expansion draft coming up and having two what they viewed as number one goalies, um, they had to make a move and, and Brian Elliott left the building, if you will. So um, to see them. One point out of a playoff spot, depending on games in hand um, at this point in the season, really isn't a surprise to me. And and after struggling through um, a, a poor, really bad stretch of games, they've been on the fallen list for, I think, two weeks in a row. And this week, they'll, they'll be on it for a third week in a row, um, losing even more ground to third place in, in the Central Division. Um, it's 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 pretty much predictable. Um, just looking ahead for them, what do you think? You know, what do you think Mike Yo's going to bring? They did win their first game under him, if I if I saw that correctly, five one over Toronto. But Toronto, they're they're the other. Speaking of Toronto, you know, they're the other falling this week. They're two two of their last seven um, taking a step back out of the playoff picture. Although I'm a, I'm a big fan and Babcock's got them playing good hockey, but uh, they are joining the Maple Leafs or, or joining the Blues, I should say, on the falling list this week, dropping themselves out of a playoff spot. So, what's what's looking ahead for you know? Give me give me Mike Yo and what you think he's going to bring, and then we'll move on to the Leafs a little bit. Yeah, I mean the, the Blues are you know when you look at their they, they do have a good team. Um, and the Central Division is not as strong as I think most people thought it would be. Um, so they still, you know, not only do they have a very good chance still to make the playoffs as a wild card, they could still catch Nashville uh, for that uh, for that uh, automatic uh, playoff berth as the third spot in the division. You know, the big questions are going to be, I mean, do they add a goalie between now and the trade deadline um, to kind of take a little bit of pressure off uh, Jake Allen? Um, do they? What do they do with Kevin Shattenkirk, who's an unrestricted free agent? Um, it's hard. I mean, they would have to go on real hard times to truly sell Kevin Shattenkirk. I would think they're looking to make a hockey trade, and maybe those two things go hand in hand um, in terms of trading Kevin Shattenkirk to for a goalie. Maybe, uh, who knows? Maybe Kevin Shattenkirk goes to Tampa Bay, who needs a defenseman uh, desperately. Uh, granted, Kevin Shattenkirk's more of an offensive guy uh, for Ben Bishop, who's a pending UFA, and both teams can help. Don't do it. Because <laughs> <laughs> basically, Tampa's the the uh, the East Eastern Conference version of St. Louis, just a little bit worse. So, uh, I mean, who, go figure. Those are two teams that you would think would be contending for the Cup, and uh, both, uh, as of now, look, you know, are on the outside looking in. Um, so. Yeah, I, I still well, for feel sure. pretty good. I still feel like I still feel like the Blues, when it's all said and done, if you put a gun to my head, uh, will somehow, some way, make the playoffs. But 
uh, what they do after that, I'm not sure. But there's a lot of questions about about this team over the next month. Well, you mentioned Tampa Bay, and uh, they were on your falling list this week when we were whittling down teams that were rising and teams that were falling. Um, Eesh, did they, uh, and and you brought up Ben Bishop, my hopeful starting goalie for the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, there's a number of different ways they can, they can grab a, excuse me, grab a hold of Ben Bishop. Most notably to me is that they'll use their uh, exclusive free agent signing window if he stays in Tampa for the rest of the season and they'll be able to lure him away with a, with a high dollar contract. And then that, that will, you know, exempt, Vegas from or exempt Tampa from having another player taken. So he, he's my number one spotlight of players that I want to see come come out to Las Vegas. But uh, with with locking up Vasilevsky and his his you know poor play here and and Bishop not doing any better um, is is that I mean you I mean you could look at it and just think that okay Stamkos out team struggling, but I think there's more to it than that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, they didn't have Sam Coast last year, and, and granted, they were a little up and down the first half of the season and then went on a run. I've been waiting Absolutely. to go on a run for quite some, quite some time. Uh, my uh, Our good friend, uh, Matt Pryor, who's going to be on the show next week, part of our trade deadline show, took in the Tampa Bay Lightning game last week when uh, he made a trip to Florida against the Panthers. And, you know, their defense has just been, uh, outside of their big two of Strollman and Hedman, has really been struggling. After those two, after those two guys, I think it's a little bit of everything. To be quite honest with you, in terms of what's going on in Tampa, um, in terms of you know scoring goals, playing defense, and and playing goal and specialty teams, everything has to get a lot better. Um, they're very fortunate they're in the Atlantic versus the Metro, because even though they're last, I believe last in the division, uh, they still they still can even catch one of those automatic spots. Because things are very much up for grabs in the Atlantic after you have uh, Montreal in first place. So, but I, I don't know. You know, I don't know when it's going to happen. I'm sure Steve Eiserman's going to take the next two, three weeks, sees where his team is at, and then you know react accordingly. Who knows? Maybe he winds up being sellers of Tyler Johnson's uh, name mentioned in trade rumors. So, and I don't think he's having the, the his usual. Uh, Spark plug season. So again, a lot, a lot on up in the air in, in Tampa Bay, just like in St. Louis. Well, the whole Eastern Conference is within eight points of the last wild card spot. You got uh, nine teams within within six points of each other, and Tampa Bay currently tied for the worst record in the East uh, with Buffalo at fifty points, uh, only eight point backs of Philadelphia. Which, going to my, you know. King's heritage, maybe they'll stay at uh, 50, 58 points as we start the day. So uh, still time for them to go on a run. Um, rising this week was last week's falling. Los Angeles Kings, um, after losing four in a row and falling four points last wild card spot in the West, they have now won four in a row and are beginning today point up on St. Louis for the last wild card in, in, in the in the West, two of those on the road, two of those at home, uh, sandwiched around the All Star break in LA. Maybe the a good time for them. Um, 
getting that road trip off to a, a rough start in your New York Islanders barn and then losing to the Rangers, which I, I remember you saying that you had, a, you had a good feeling about that Kings-Rangers game that didn't come to pass, but they finished off that with two two good wins and then um, came home, got, got two more good wins, and now they're back out on the road again. So we'll, we'll see how today goes. Could be looking at a five-game five game run there and and maybe closing ground on third place in, in the Pacific. But I do see Dana on the line. I want to welcome Dana Lane into the show real quick. Dana, good day to you, sir. How are you, sir? Good to talk to you as always. Good to talk to you for everybody who's listening to the show. Uh, Dana is the UNLV Rebels play-by-play announcer for all of their home games. You can catch their UNLV Skate and Rebels feed on YouTube. Um, he's also the Vegas Hockey Hotline co-host with Brian Blessing weekdays from 12 to 2. On Is that 1 to 2 when you come in and the show is 12 to yeah, 2? I, Do I have that right? Yeah, Brian does Sportsbook Radio from 12 to 1 and then uh, after the break, we come in from uh, approximately one to two to do Vegas Hockey Hotline. There you go on KSHP fourteen hundred AM in Las Vegas, Nevada. So uh, yes, you sir. can follow Dana on on Twitter, Twitter for all of his sports handicapping. He'll, if you uh, go to his Dana Lane Sports Twitter handle at Dana Lane Sports, you can text him for his free play of the play of the day. And for all of his UNLV and Vegas Golden Knights news and updates, you can follow him at Dana Lane NHL. So uh, let's kick right into the UNLV talk, brother. A couple, uh, couple of down days in in UNLV against Northern Arizona. What happened, bud? Well, I talked to, uh, of course, they're on the road, so it's very difficult because uh, some universities would rather have you pay to see club hockey, but uh, uh, others like UNLV keeps it free, thankfully. But um, you know, I talked to Z this morning, and, and I think the general sentiment was uh, we're still uh, very confident we're going to get to where we want to be, uh, which is what I would expect Z to say, because that's uh, Z kind of course, is the general manager of UNLV hockey. Um, yep. And I think the guys have to get refocused real quick because they turn right around and play Arizona State today, a team that they should beat but a team that uh, can be pretty uh, – can be scrappy, and we saw that. They played them at the uh, T-Mobile Arena early on in the year and, and didn't get the victory. But I think the most important thing for me is where is their head after uh, dropping two very important games in northern Arizona. And they have three left uh, today against Arizona State. And, of course, next week their final two home games, which have been moved to Sobe Arena starting at 7 o'clock. Um, and that's against uh, Cal State Northridge, which uh, are not very high in the rankings, but do have an impressive record. So they still have a lot of work ahead of them. Uh, these two games against Northern Arizona, I'm sure, disappointing, uh, but certainly plenty of plenty of opportunity coming up to uh, to right the ship. And even if they have to go into the regionals, I, I like their chances against the teams that they would compete against. Sobe Arena being out out here at the Santa Fe, right? Yes, sir. That is correct. Okay. Well, I was a little disappointed following the Twitter feed. Um, maybe maybe the ease of which uh, you know the twenty-one to two game, uh, and following that up with another resounding victory. 
Maybe, maybe sometimes, and this hopefully is the case with with these two games. That uh, sometimes you need to get a little check, get 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 yourself checked a little bit, and and get yourself refocused. And I was at that Arizona State game at the at the T-Mobile Arena there, and it was uh, it was a good physical, clean clean played hockey game for the most part. The Rebels did come out on top in that game. Um, should should be a good one. I'll be following along, following along. Let me bring in Chris here. Um, he's got a couple Vegas Golden Knights questions to hit you with. Chris, come on, buddy. Hey, Dana. Great to have you on, as always. Um, Hi, Chris. In terms of, hey, so in terms of, you know, we saw Ken Hitchcock uh, get let go this week. You know, it's funny. Before the season started, I said, do you, do you, where is Vegas going to go? For head coach, and, and now there seems to be a number of options through the course of the year. And there's even talk about, well, the rumor mill is filled that if the Lightning don't get t- turned around soon, yeah, maybe even John, yeah. John Cooper might uh, get let go. And of course, you know, Claude Julian, his name has been mentioned a lot. Uh, it, it looks like George McPhee is going to have a tough choice in, in, in a good way. That's my first question to you. And my second is, do you have a favorite? Uh, uh, boy, I would love to see them hire uh, this particular coach. Well, to, to answer your second question first, my boy, oh boy, uh, coach would be Claude Julian. And, you know, I don't wish ill on him in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, this is a guy, I'm telling you, right before he's at, you know, he's at the edge and he's about ready to make the leap out of Boston. Uh, he somehow he pulls this thing together and he gets a, he gets a big win over the Penguins and um, you know we'll see where they are at the end of the year for sure because if you remember back to last year it was the last month of the season where they completely fell apart uh, and, and I don't know if the makeup of this team would make me feel like once other teams are ramping up their intensity trying to get into the playoffs I don't know if Boston has what it takes to be able to match that and so. I would love a Claude Julian here, not because he, you know, got kicked out of Boston, but I would love Julian here because here's a guy that has a ring, been, has been to another final, and he has been through the ups and downs, whether it be injuries or bringing new kids in or, or trying to, you know, bring kids in from Providence to, um, you know, supplement guys that are going to be gone for a long time. I mean, he's had to manage every single uh, component of a, of a National Hockey League team uh, that, that they would probably have to manage here uh, in Las Vegas. So I, and the other thing, too, is, and this is why I would be more pro-Julian than pro, let's say, a Hitchcock, is I just don't know if, if, if a Hitchcock would come in here and have the cor- correct temperament for what you might have to, to endure early on. I think Julian would have that, that – that temperament that you need to kind of withstand maybe the early losses uh, before you got to anything that, that showed some consistency. So that's, that would be my, uh, that would be definitely on my wish list. And, you know, as far as John Cooper is concerned, another guy that I, Hey, he became available. I'd certainly be, uh, be more inclined to uh, put my support behind him than I think I would a, uh, a Capuano. Uh, or a Gallant, just because I just I'm just not sure that's the pedigree that McBee would rather have here to start. That would be Long Island's own John Cooper. I got one more for you, Dana. Uh, yeah. You know, last week we were t- we were talking about um, uh, Vegas doing their third expansion mock draft. 
have you heard any nuggets, any little tidbits you could pass along of uh, what the team said about that mock draft? Anything come out about that? Uh, no, not really. I mean, we we have talked to McPhee after they've done a few mock drafts, and of course they can't talk about specific players. So I wouldn't specifically uh, anticipate any player name coming out. But uh, we'll be uh, talking with Bill Foley right before uh, your show next week. So we'll we'll kind of maybe try to get something out of him. But uh, hey, look, it's going to be the same thing. We want a fast, physical team. We want a discipline. I mean, every GM is going to tell you every component that they want that I, I think is probably no different than the 30, 30 other GMs. But um, interesting uh, because now word came out this week that potentially they may be involved in the trade deadline and they could make uh, some deals. But um, according to Steve Karp, uh, who I talked to earlier this week, he doesn't think that that last payment is going to be made before the trade deadline. And there's really no rush for the Golden Knights to make that payment because they're sitting there with all the, all the cards. I would think the other 30 general managers would be a little bit more um, uh, intense uh, or intent on having them make that payment so they could get that process moving along in conjunction with the trade deadline. But I don't think that they're going to make that final payment until probably the third or the fourth of the month, uh, which, of course, would be a few days after the trade deadline. It's interesting the kind of assets and picks that might be able to be moved to, a, you know, obviously a team without a roster. Um, what kind of what kind of moves you could make potentially to strengthen your position probably in the amateur draft would be more more. Uh, more probable yeah. but to go back to your coach yeah. to your coaching thing uh and and because of what what you said and and what McPhee has consistently said of the type of player he would like to bring in and the styles of both the coaches not only that and nothing against your your boy julian there <coughs> if cooper was available he would be my first choice his his style of play is exciting i i, I there's things that you could see in his system that there's I, I don't see in any other team, um, especially on on special teams. There's also the the age factor to where, face it, this roster is going to be mostly a young dominated, you know, dominated by youth. And and Cooper's shown that he can develop that that youth into a you know championship pedigree type team. And it, and you know if you hire him then maybe you have the end to bring in the Ben Bishop, who is my number one choice to uh, pin the net in, in Las Vegas for the foreseeable future. So if uh, we could pry that tandem together out of Tampa, I would uh, that would be a, a best-case scenario on both fronts for me. Um, well, I could see where you're coming from on that, and I'm sorry to cut you off. And I, I, I could see no, where please. you're coming from on that. My only retort to that would be, I have seen Claude Julien take – like, he doesn't have just one coaching style. He has he has been re- – I mean, look, just look at the Boston Bruins this year. All For Bruins sure. teams would not a- average 34, 40, 34 shots on goal. He has For really sure. tailored his coaching to the type of players that he has, and he, he knows this Bruins team has absolutely no, no depth at defense. So they better control the puck and put a lot of pucks on net, which they have. Uh, the only problem with them is none of them is going in. And so the only reason I'm kind of in the corner of Julian is I have seen him tailor his coaching style 
to many different types of rosters. And that's why I, I think he would come into Vegas and say, okay, this is what I have. And, and not saying that John Cooper wouldn't. He just, I have just never had to see him uh, go into a defensive type mode, uh, kind of the opposite of Julian, where I've never had to see him uh, open it up and have an offense only team, which he has right now in Boston. No, for sure. I agree with that. We, I was on uh, Talk and Radio last night. And it, uh, we were talking about just that thing with how Julian's been able to evolve his coaching style around his personnel and, and available skill set that he has to his disposal. And, you know, Coach Vino in for the Rangers is always my, my go-to guy. Yeah. And also Lindy, Lindy Ruff as well has been a coach who's, who's shown that he can play a little bit of a defensive style, a little bit of grit, and then move into Dallas and, and go full bowl, full bore uh, offensive as well. So, you know, I, I agree with you that Julian is one of the more versatile coaches in the league, but, and I'd be happy with either one, um, but to have a younger guy, you know, it, it's apples and oranges to me, but I, I really like watching the Tampa Bay Lightning when they're hitting on all cylinders. It's a real exciting club to watch. Real quick point, guys. Lindy Ruff is also yeah. on the last year of his deal. So uh, there's Hello. another possibility. There you go. No, Lindy, there you go. Uh, Lindy, Ruff, Lindy Ruff's name has come up. We we talked about this last week, about the possibility of Lindy Ruff, and I'm I'm good with that as well. I, I may, and I told George this, I, I'm a big proponent – I'm a big proponent of having somebody coming in here that is a beacon of, beacon of strength that has done it before that the players can say, okay, yes, this is an expansion team, but look who decided to come here and coach us. That's why we, you definitely need somebody in here that has some sort of pedigree rather than hiring somebody where this is maybe his first stop. Absolutely, 100%. Real quick before we got to let you go, uh, last segment we always do with Dana is we, is we try and pick his brain for a little free sports information on a Saturday, Saturday night special. So I see Chad's on hold. Uh, so real quick, Dana, what do you got for us tonight? Uh, I think what we're going to do tonight, you can get all these picks every single day on sbrpicks.com and sportsbookreview.com. I have daily write-ups on, on my on my plays, which we've done extremely well this year. Tonight we're going to go uh, we're going to go to Tampa Bay uh, in that Tampa Anaheim game. We're going to go under that five and a half. Uh, both of these teams, and we know the Ducks have basically not been able to put the puck in the net. They've scored two goals or less, and uh, three out of the last five games. And this is the Tampa Bay team, you know, with all the you know the fans are not happy. They're probably going to become sellers here pretty soon. Uh, this is a black cloud that I don't think leads to cohesive offensive effort. So we're going to go under five and a half uh, in this game tonight. So snooze fest in Tampa once again. Um, no offense, Tampa Bay Lightning fans. I thought you were going to go to the 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 Toronto Boston game. Uh, that that may be one that <laughs> you keep your eye on tonight. Yeah, I thought you would. No, I almost <laughs> did. Uh, the reason why I didn't is. As of last night, that game was going to be my game, but you got to lay too much money, and I have a rule that we never lay more than a dollar fifty on a game. So um, once that creeped up past that mark, we just kind of left it alone. And honestly, uh, you're you're getting a team in the Bruins, which we would have been on that that can't score goals, even though they apply a ton of pressure um, on opposing goaltenders. But you know, you, you got one team that can't score against another team that can, and 
I'm not willing to lay a dollar fifty against a team that I'm crossing my fingers can actually put the puck in a net. There you go. There you go. Well, all right, Dana, let me uh, let me get out of here and bring in our next guest. Thank you, sir, as always, and we'll talk to you next week, man. Okay, guys. Have a great week. All right, that was Dana Lane from Dana Lane Sports and UNLV Rebel Hockey and Sportsbook Radio. Uh, all all over the map with with Vegas hockey. But now I want to bring in our guest, Chad D. Dominicis. He is the lead Sabres contributor at thehockeywriters.com and also the co-host of Beyond the Blade podcast, which I'm sure you can find on iTunes and as well as the Hockey Writers podcast page, which we are also affiliated with, by the way. So sort of a, a neighbor in the podcasting world. Chad, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's good to talk to you. Um, let's go, uh, just give me a general consensus on what, what you think the Sabres have, have done or, or how they've been doing so far this year. Sum it up real quick. Eichel injury, notwithstanding. Uh, it's been a lot of, it's up and down. I guess the best word is inconsistency. Uh, they're a team that has 50 points in 50 games. And, you know, I think that kind of sums it up right there. That's the kind of season they're having. They'll go on streaks where, They'll win three games in a row and then get themselves back in the playoff conversation. And then the next week they'll lose three games in a row and be back down where they find themselves now eight, nine points out. Um, so, you know, it, it's hard. It, it's hard as a fan, as a person who covers a team, to really figure out what this team is because you start thinking, all right, they're out of it, they're going to be sellers. And then, you know, by the time next week rolls around again, oh, look at they're only four points out. If they win this game, they could really back in the conversation. So it's, it's really been a roller coaster ride all year. Yeah, for sure. I think two weeks ago we do a little rising and falling segment now that we're in the latter half of the season, uh, just kind of going through the standings and watching the movements up and down. And Buffalo was on my rising list a couple weeks ago, and I think that at that point they were five points back of the of the, of, of the last wild card spot there in the East. And then you look up today, and, and although they're only eight points out, they have eight teams in front of them, which I think is the harder the harder – road to hoe if you will um how are they going to turn that around um go ahead no i was i was agreeing with you sorry <laughs> oh okay yeah how, how are they going to turn that around and and become a more consistent team i know youth is the word in buffalo but uh some, sometimes sometimes a change is going to be made so you know if you're going to look forward are they going to be buyers? Or are they going to be sellers to turn things around and try and make a push for that playoff spot? Well, I think primarily they're going to be sellers. Um, you know, is, is there a solution to fix the team this season to be a playoff team? Honestly, probably not. Because what they need is they need a young top four defenseman. Well, unfortunately, those big names are out there. They can't Fowler or Botnin or Truba, you know. Those guys are going to be hard to get at the deadline, maybe Fowler in particular, because you now the Ducks aren't going to want to move that player where they are. And then Winnipeg is looking for a young defenseman in return, and that's kind of counterproductive if you send one of their young defensemen back to another one. So I think at the deadline, you know, they're going to be sellers. They're going to sell off some other pieces, Franson, Gianta, uh, Kulikov, Anders Nielsen. Those are all guys that could go. Um, but if they do make a trade to bring somebody in, it, it's going to be for a young player. It, it's either a, a young forward who will go with the good mix of the young guys they have there now, or maybe they can wrangle in, you know, a younger defensive. I might not be a top four guy, but maybe a guy they think that has potential and then 
in the offseason, they can go ahead and look for that young top four defenseman that, that'll really, really boost them for a playoff run next year. Well, let me bring in hey, Chris. Which... Oh, okay. Go ahead. Hey, Chad, it's Chris here. So uh, you kind of just jumped my last, uh, my, uh, my first question about the top my four apologies. defensemen. My apologies. Uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, good question. But um, uh, just to touch base, how concerned do you, A, feel like the Sabres have their goalie for the uh, uh, for the future in in Robin Leonard? They gave up a, a you know a big draft pick to get him. And how concerned are you in terms of the Sabres' depth in terms of putting the puck in the net, which they've been pretty woeful, especially at even strength this year. Yeah, I mean, I'll start with the goaltending. You know, for me, I, I think Leonard has been, you know, he, he's is he one of the top goaltenders in the league right now? No. Um, is he ever going to be that? Maybe not, you know, but he's played above average. I think he's played good enough for them to win games, especially in the beginning of the year when without Eichel, the team, you know, couldn't score goals. I, I think they went the whole month of November without scoring more than two goals in a game or maybe one time. And then they finally scored more than two goals a second time when Eichel came back in the last day of November. So the scoring, we you know, was a big issue, but Leonard and even Nielsen has been surprising and is why I think he might get some consideration, you know, with the trade deadline is, They've both been really good this year, and, and they've played good enough to win games. Um, have they been elite top-flight goaltenders? No, but they've been good enough, and I think they're good enough for the Sabres moving forward, at least Leonard. You know? Just NHL these days, you don't need that elite goaltender to make a long player for him. You've seen a goalie who's above average, and then you know maybe he gets hot in the playoffs and you're on your way. Um, the scoring depth, you know, it's, like, like I said, you know, the beginning of the season – was tough without Eichel. Uh, since Eichel came back, it's been a whole different ballgame. Um, they've been scoring a lot more, but really beyond the top six, um, there's not much scoring depth, and that is one of the concerns. Um, so, I mean, there's been guys they have in the minors, Justin Bailey, Nick Baptiste, you know, even Alex Nylander, who they picked in the first round last year, that they're hoping can come up. But, I mean, I think they'll certainly need to address that that bottom six Um you know, either at the trade deadline or in the off season, because I think they need at least one more, one more guy. Not not a guy who's going to score twenty twenty five a year. Maybe that guy that'll get you, that'll get you fifteen, but consistently and you know can, I guess, terrorize the other team's defense in the bottom half of the lineup. I guess my my next question is dealing with Evander Kane, and you know if the Sabers are kind of on the outside looking in as we approach the uh, deadline deadline. Would the would Buffalo look to move him? And considering he signed uh, just for one more year, although he does have a five point two five million dollar cap hit, he's probably going to restrict on what they can get back. Would they basically move him, try to get the best prospect and pick that they could, with a with a big the big asset of that trade for them freeing up cap space, or do you think they'll hold on? Or do you think they would hold on to him under that scenario? Uh, well, right now the thing about Kane is. It, it's been a turnaround. You know, he, he had that rim injury on opening night. Um, he missed 10 games. He didn't score a goal in his first 11 games back from that injury when he definitely wasn't 100%. But over the last 27 games, he has 14 goals. He's been their most consistent player um, since he's, you know, got that scoring touch back. And I don't think they're going to move him at the deadline. I'd honestly be surprised. If he is moved, I think it's an off-season move. Um, but if they're going to move him, they're going to want a big – you know, a defenseman back, a decent defenseman. They're not just going to give him away. And frankly, you know, right now, if he continues to play the way he's playing and keeps his, you know, his off-ice issues 
clean, I guess you could say, you know, I, I, I think they'd want to keep him around. He has excellent speed. Um, he has a nice physical play. And, you know, I think that he's a guy they need, you know, they need to keep these young guys and they need to build around these young guys, not keep trying to move guys out and I guess recycle and find the right pieces. So I, I could definitely see Kane sticking around, which, you know, might surprise some people. This is Mark Warner. We're talking with Chad Dominici's on the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and I'm looking at both of your guys' as the hockey writer feed right now. Chad, your latest is uh, Evander Kane, part of the Sabres' future or sell high? And we're about a need for a top four defenseman. And earlier this week, Chris put out the Travis Hamannick could be used as as a as an asset to move. So if I play general manager and go one for one, Hamannick for Kane, I want both of your opinions. I'll start with Chad. Is that a deal the Sabres make? Um, man, that's tough. Keep you know, him in New York, right? Looked in Hamannick that I haven't looked in Hamannick that much. You know. Um, uh, honestly, I would say, I would say probably not. I, I think they're looking for, oh, it's tough. You know, I, I said probably not. I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe they could. I don't know. It, it's tough. Uh, yeah. You know, that sounds like a good hockey could, It does. It does. You know, Hamnick's a guy I think that could definitely fit what the Sabres are looking for. Um, he has that offensive side. He also is, a, you know, excellent defensively. He's only 26 years old. So he fits that mold of a young defenseman. Um it's hard. I, I guess it, it depends. You know, it, it depends if Murray really wants to get rid of Kane or not. If if he wants to get rid of Kane and he thinks Hammonick's the guy he can get back, then definitely. I, I think that can it can happen. I guess I'll put it that way. It could happen. That's where I'll end it. Chris, if I'm Murray and I call you up and, and ask you straight up, Kane for Hammonick, do you do the deal? Uh, I wouldn't simply because I, I think uh, – Beyond his need is a dynamic uh, uh, offensive, a second offensive player to go along with John Tavares. So, not that uh, Travis Hamannick is going to get him that on his own, but with the uh, other youngsters they have on the roster, with their prospect pipeline, I think it would make a lot more sense to try to land a Matt Duchene and, and include uh, Kiefer Bellows or Michael Del Cole, someone along on those lines, along with the, one of their top young goalie prospects they were about to, to try to pry away with Matthew Shane. And the fact that Keane only signed through next season is a little bit of a, a problem in terms of, I would think, of getting a top-four defenseman for him. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, don't uh, don't don't think if they, if they do, you know, if Coach does want to get rid of Evander Kane and, and think that uh, leaving him exposed in the expansion draft would be – a way, an easy way to get him off the roster, free up the salary cap space. I don't think all the pictures of him doing push-ups with thousands of dollars on his back on the balcony of the Cosmopolitan Hotel in Las Vegas that you can see online are going to do him any favors with the type of team that George McPhee wants to build. So I wouldn't look for that avenue of escape for cap relief. But if you were going to handicap the expansion race, Chad, um, who, who, what are some players for the Vegas fans that, that, uh, you could look to in Buffalo that might be available here come June 18th? Well, first I'll start with Kane and the expansion. I don't think there's any shot that the Sabres leave him exposed because Murray, that was the first big trade he made. So there's no way he's risking losing him for nothing. Um, but beyond okay. that, you know, it's, the Sabres are in pretty good shape, you know, when it comes to expansion, um, 
you know, they have their forwards that are going to protect their big names, uh, O'Reilly, Oposo, um, and like I said, I mentioned Kane, uh, Eichel and Reinhardt are two guys they don't have to worry about. Those are some more of their big guys. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to come down to a couple different scenarios. If the Sabres are going to protect everybody it looks like they're going to protect, I think Vegas is looking at two players, one forward and one defenseman, and that's Matt Molson, um, who might not be ideal because he has a $5 million cap it, I think, for two more years after this year unless Vegas is looking to hit that cap requirement. Or George's, who might be more, um, I guess you could say, looks better to them as a veteran defenseman, um, only has one year left on his contract going into next season, that maybe they can bring in the defenseman defenseman with some other guys they have and kind of get through a year with George's to fill up that defense. Um, if they get a little bit, I guess you could say, funny, a couple other guys maybe look out for is Tyler Ennis. Um, he's... Wow. For me at this point, I don't think he can – I just don't think he fits in Bilesma's system. So if Bilesma's back next year, maybe that's a guy they, you know, they make available through expansion. Um, I mean, his trade value is very low right now. He's missed a lot of the season, but he only has two goals this year. He didn't play very well last year when he was in the lineup. Um, another guy is Giergensen, who I don't think they'll leave exposed. I think they'll trade him as – a as a piece in a deal if they do decide to move him but he's playing a lot better now but the last guy depending on how they go about this and if they do bring another defenseman in is zach bogosian um and again he has a high cap hit of five a little over five million dollars the next few years but i mean that's a guy i think vegas can be comfortable saying and saying that's a younger defenseman we're going to bring in that also has a lot of years of experience and maybe is one of their top four defensemen get started off right away but i think realistically the two main options that Vegas is going to be left with either Molson or George's unless they want to look at a goalie like Linus Allmark. But I think there's so many other options out there at goaltending that they're not going to look at a guy like Allmark. I think there's going to be plenty. Yeah. The, the goaltender market should be fairly, you know, fairly good. One of the strengths of, of the draft for the, for the Knights. But um, I will, I will say I'm a big Matty Molson fan back from his days as a king. And then as he went through the the Islanders and then Buffalo, uh, my old, uh, my old co-host of the show, Tom Cuddy, he, he was from Buffalo. So he, 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 he keyed me in on, on Matty Molson a little bit. If he were to be made available, I, I think, you know, former 30 goal scorer in the league. So that that's, probably going to be one of the one of the hard things for general manager George McPhee to put together is a top six that is going to consistently put the puck in the net so if you are playing in an up up tempo system Matt Molson might be the type of player that will help you achieve that goal um we're we're just about out of time here Chris do you have anything else for Chad today Got one last one for Chad, and that is you mentioned about Nielsen. There's a number of teams uh, could definitely use a, a huge upgrade uh, on that backup goalie because I can. So I can, if Buffalo pulls a little bit out of it, I can see them moving him. Uh, what about Dmitry Kulikov? I mean, I'm a big fan of his. I thought it was a great move getting him. Um, Label was at last year's draft. Obviously, he hasn't had the kind of year the Sabres were hoping for. Um, I don't know where it stands. He's a UFA at the end of the year. Buffalo's looking to re-sign him, or I, I, given the the depth of defensive market, I, I think they can actually do pretty good in terms of getting draft picks back or 
getting a pick and a prospect. What do you think is going to happen with Kulikov and the Sabres? Uh, I mean, Kulikov's one of those guys who, you know, I, I guess you can classify he's had a disappointing season. And it's not necessarily since that he's played poorly. I mean, he hasn't been rock solid by any means, but I mean, he's only played 24 of the 50 games. He's had a lingering back issue that he's dealt with since the preseason that um, it happened when, a, you know, the bench door flung open and he, you know, hurt his back that way. And he's been dealing with that all year. Um, you know, I, I think the Sabres would love to see what they can get out of a healthy Kulikov the rest of the season and then make a determination, you know, going into the offseason if they want to sign him or not. Um, but at the same time, you know, if somebody comes along and gives the right offer, you know, Murray's going to take it. Um, so it really, it, it depends. I think February, the rest of the month, is a, it will be a big uh, measuring stick in how they look at Kulikov going into the deadline. If he plays well, which he has the last two games back, he's played a lot better than he was before the injury and before he was out for an extended period of time. Um, so if he continues that play, I, I think the Sabres would, you know, they'd listen to phone calls, and if the right deal comes, sure, but I, I think they'd be more inclined to ride it out the rest of the season. You know, as a younger defenseman, too, could fit going forward and, you know, get a full look at the next, you know, 20, 30 games or so. But one thing I have a lot of respect for in the the hockey world is Buffalo Sabres fans because, you know, since the President's Trophy season in 06, 07, um, and my, my, you know, my buddy Tom always, (laughs) he kind of gives it to management there about trading in all the skill that was on that roster for an overwhelming uh, let's say an overwhelming dish of grit and sandpaper that has struggled to say the least. And Buffalo nation continues to be in the top 10 in attendance in the league every year. Uh, Sabres fan base, uh, you know, small market, whatever you want to say, they, they always show up and support their Sabres. So just, to, just a shout out to Sabres nation and hopefully brighter days are ahead for the Sabres. I know they, they're, they're doing, they're doing their rebuild and, and look at it this way. You, you, you lost cycle for, you know, almost eight weeks or a little bit more than that. And there's still only eight points out of a playoff spot. So to look at this point of the season and see 50 points in 50 games and, you know, bottom in the East is a long way to go to get up to that, that playoff spot. If it's real easy to look and see if that, if I had been healthy all the way through, they'd be right in the thick of the top of that, that Eastern conference wildcard race. I, I don't have any questions about that at all, especially like you said, with Leonard's, you know, above average, solid, you know, workman like journeyman, like, Goal, goaltending this season so I don't think the I think the dark days are, are are in the past now and they have developed a nice a better balance of of grit and skill with with the young guys they have and and the the guys that they have brought in so I, I, I do think the Sabres I'm a little disappointed that the Eichel got hurt and they're not you know right there with battling Toronto because that would be a really interesting race to see where those two uh, young up-and-comers uh, in in the season with, but I, I I think they're on the right track in Buffalo. So Chad, thank you for coming in to talk some Buffalo Sabres hockey with us today. It is our pleasure to have you in, sir. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, make sure you guys follow Chad Dijomanichis at C underscore D D O M I N I C I S ten on Twitter for links to his hockey writers content, and also go to thehockeywriters.com. Uh, check out Beyond the Blade podcast where he's a co-host over there. Uh, Chris, 
good good talking some Buffalo Sabres hockey. That's a good pull by you to get Chad in here. Uh, knows knows his Sabres knows his Sabres inside and out. And I, I I hope we don't do too much damage to him in the expansion draft out here in Vegas. But uh, you know the players he was talking about being available, uh, pretty enticing. One of the better rosters to pick from if you're looking at at young hockey. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. I was thinking of maybe that young goalie would be a possibility. I feel a little bit differently in terms of the goaltenders that are going to be available in expansion. Obviously, Thomas Grice also signed this past week since our last show. So that's another name off the free agent list of possibility for Vegas. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, Evander Kane is definitely a lightning rod, if you will. Um, he does have 24 points, uh, I believe, in um, – in 39 games, but thing uh, even with his off the ice issues, uh, obviously since having that big 30 goal season, I guess it's about four years ago now. You know he hasn't gotten back, and it looked like he was going to be uh, the, one of the next dominating players in the league. He hasn't gotten back to that level. He's had off the ice injury uh, issues, excuse me, both in Winnipeg and Buffalo, and he's had he gets hurt every year. So when you add all that up, and he has pretty good cap hit. It's only signed for one more year. Uh, it's hard to say, you know, who's going to make a commitment to him via either a trade or, in terms of the Sabers, extending him to a long-term con- to a longer-term contract. Having said all that, I think he's only 25 or 26, though. So, um, but he is definitely a true wild card, if you will. Yeah, I don't see him being a fit in Vegas. That's for sure. Um, I think there's too much question question about. Uh, to put it delicately, his ability to handle himself in Vegas. Um, not That's one thing, and I don't know if it's going to be on their minds, but y- y- one thing you don't want to do is start off the, the, the franchise with players consistently getting into the Vegas-related trouble. If you can see my air quotes with my fingers because – I think that's, you know, it's more of a perception problem for the league because if players want to go out, <coughs> excuse me, have a few drinks, get in trouble, they're going to find it in, in New York and Los Angeles and everywhere in between. Um, that's, but and and to he, have a, he is proof positive. He's proof positive at that point because he found it in both Winnipeg and Buffalo, which is not exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not the nightlife. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah. the nightlife capital of the world, sir. So to, to put right. a, a guy like that in, in a roster in the environment of Las Vegas, I don't see that happening. Um, I think the PR has to be at least, you know, considered um, before doing something like that. But, I would take a Matt. You know, I'm a Matty Molson fan, so I would. Uh, you know, three six steps of separation. Yeah. Isn't uh, isn't he married to Jonathan Quick? That's right. Sister yeah, who of uh, to, yeah, daughter of Bill Cower, I think. <laughs> yeah, but he has not been the same player since. Uh, look, he scored three uh, three straight years of thirty goal seasons playing with John Tavares. Sure playing on the number one power play unit with the Islanders. Um, he's not the greatest skater. He does have really good hands around the net. I mean, if you use him and you can put him with a top center and he can get that space around the net, really use him on that first power play unit, 
he can be effective player, but uh, I think those days are kind of kind of gone for him. He's only signed for two more years. Granted, it is a five million dollar cap hit. Uh, at, you know, two more years after the season, but uh, I don't think just an educated guess that that's where George McPhee is going to go. Well, when we do our, we are currently planning on on doing our own mock draft for the the Vegas Golden Knights after the trade deadline and rosters are settled. We're going to. Um, I, I, I know what I'm going to, I'm going to use planmyteam.com and uh, after the rosters are all set and the website there, planmyteam.com has uh, reflected all of the moves and shakes and trades and everything that goes down and everything settles. I'm going to go through each roster, protect the players and, and build my franchise. And then we'll figure out how we're going to, if we're going to go back and forth, if we're going to take blocks of five teams and then questions and you know we'll figure out the format for it but we are going to do it and the Sabres are going to be a team that I'm looking at uh, pretty closely what do we uh what do we got on tap coming up sir I know our trade deadline show is uh yeah you know almost uh, just a week away now that's going to be big yeah we've been planning this for I think we talked first talked about it right after Christmas so it, it seems like yeah. that point very far away but it's already here um, yes, uh, next Sunday, not Saturday, but next Sunday, uh, the live show will be at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. We have the hockey's version of the Three Wise Men. We have uh, Zach Devine of the Hockey Writers, writes about the San Jose Sharks. He also writes about, uh, uh, he writes for Gobbler Perfects, uh, he uh, writes for Hockey Profits. We also have Matt Pryor right, right. of the Hockey Writers, who writes who writes about the Dallas Stars and Florida Panthers. And, of course, we have the one and only J.D. Styles of Cali Sports News, who writes about the Kings. Uh, we're going to have a 90-minute show. It's going to be a free-flowing conversation. Uh, obviously, we'll hit on all those teams, those guys' covers, plus everything everything in between. You know, who will be the sellers? Who will be the buyers? Who? What big games that are being bandied about uh, will, be, will be traded? You know, um, so we're going to hit uh, how will expansion ha- impact the trade deadline. We're going to hit, uh, you know, I already started putting, I put sent out the show outline already, and uh, there's a lot to cover. So there, it's going to be a fun show, and, uh, you know, everyone's team will be covered, uh, and uh, it'll, it'll be great because we'll have, uh, you know, three guests on at the same time, or a roundtable discussion, and uh, we'll get all those opinions and, and uh, we, we, you know, those are three of our favorite guests. So, uh, looking forward to them breaking down uh, what the true, what the trade deadline's got, trade deadline's going to look like. Yep, my only worry is that it turns into a free for fall, free for all, and, and we all start talking over each other, and no one gets the, no one gets the gist of what we're saying. So, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to keep it toned down, keep it, keep it reined in a little yeah. bit. Uh, three guests. Three guests will be a little bit hard to coordinate through, but we'll 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 slug our way through it, and, and hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. It you know it it should be about you know kind kind of the same deal as our as our draft show last year, which was was really a lot of fun too. So with uh, a little bit more a little bit more to talk about than than the draft, but the draft the draft show last year was really fun. We got a lot of good feedback on that. So this this trade deadline show is going to be a lot of fun. Um, anything else coming down the pipeline, or are we still working on working on after that? 
Uh, we're working on stuff. Like I said, you mentioned the show with me and you. Probably at the end of March, going to do the uh, picking the. Just be me and you that show picking the. Um, uh, uh, who each one of us at this point in time will pick for the Vegas Golden Knights at that point, with the rosters being kind of where they're at after the trade deadline. Uh, you know, we're going to try. We're trying to uh, work on uh, in, the, in the near future getting a Boston Bruins guest on as well. Maybe even as a Tampa Bay Lightning guest on as well. Try to find out what the heck is going on down there. Right, right. I, and I do want to give a shout out to uh, Matt, Matt over at Tall Can Audio. He had he had me on the show last night. Um, it should be posted up. Look for a link on that. He uh, he covers the Toronto Maple Leafs, even though he's in Ottawa, kind of an enemy territory. But um, I'm gonna work on on getting a, a time slot in for him. That's the second time he's had me on the show to talk about Vegas. So kind of uh he's a good guy to talk to he's a lot of fun so if if you guys get a chance to follow his show as always we are able to be found on itunes soundcloud blog talk radio and also google play look for us saturdays at 11 30 for our live broadcast this seems to be where we've settled into you can always find chris at the nl king for all of his islanders content over at ionislesfs.com and if you're looking for our podcast in the sea of hockey blogs and journals out there, go to thehockeywriters.com and click on their podcast tab where you can find us and the Beyond the Blade show from today's guest. Um, that's about all we got for this week. Looking forward to next week. Chris, any last words? Everyone just mark their calendars. Next Sunday, Feb 12th, football, the Super Bowl's tomorrow. Uh, obviously, you're going to be Jones or some kind of sports stuff. And uh, for all you hockey fans out there from Vegas to Long Island to Dallas to San Jose to Luxembourg, you know, tune in and check out our show. Next Sunday, Feb 12, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Well, I know we talked before the show that you wanted a, a Kings victory in regulation. I'm looking at the score now. Uh, nothing, nothing with a minute left in the game. So um, oh. I'm trying to help out, trying to help out your Islanders, buddy. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it's kind of hard if you don't put the puck in the net, sir. Uh, Peter Buda is doing his part. Yes, absolutely. Well, anyway, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to see if I can get out there and catch overtime, sir. Uh, look for us next week, Sunday at noon, for Chris on Mark, and we're gone.